I'm sorry. Do I intimidate you, my little small stature? Did you? So you can't see anything? Nice. Well, I have the lights kind of turned down for you, so. I was like, you know, well, when you see someone you like, you like that. Oh, that's so sweet and cute of you two guys. All right, let's pray. And then uh, we're going to get started. God, thank you for the chance just to, uh, to get together to dig into your word. God, may you just speak um, truth into us tonight as we continue our series on, on sifting uh, our world and the culture and things that it tells us through your word. God, may we just be encouraged by the things that you're um, teaching us and showing us. And may you just be uh, glorified. Shame, I pray. Amen. All right, so we're week four of six. Um, we're kind of digging to uh, the book of Second Peter. So if you have your Bible, turn to Second Peter. We'll be there in a little bit. Um, you know, we're learning to sift things together. We're, we're hearing ideas and opinions and media and facts. And so we're sifting those things through the filter that is the Bible. We are submitting ourselves to the good authority of Jesus, recognizing that he, he knows how to make the world go round. So we're repenting of words and actions and beliefs maybe we have subconsciously or consciously adopted into our worldview that run in opposition to the good news of Jesus. Of course, that is our hope in salvation. And all the while, we still ask questions and we wrestle with doubts. Yet without fear or judgment, because God is not too big for those things, right? And we love others no matter what they believe, because all people are made in the image of God. You know, you know what we are good at as human beings? That's a pretty loaded question. There's a lot of things, right? Many things, right? But I can tell you something that we're really, <clears throat> we're really good at. We're really good at falling off both sides of the railroad track. What do I mean? I mean, the gospel is... The gospel is a train track, right? It's the way God created us to live and flourish as his children in this world that we made, or he made. But because of the, of the fall, as we see in Genesis chapter 3, we now have a, a sinful nature. And the Greek word for this is sarks. It means flesh. So first we're made in the image of God. And there are echoes of the garden of Eden in every human life. But because of sin, our bodies have a disease that is reprogrammed our default settings to sarks of the flesh, to sinful nature, to fall off both sides of the train track. On one side of the train track is license. It's a word uh, we see sometimes talk about in church. My license, I'm talking about like a driver's license or license to practice medicine. We're using another definition of the word license, which is to do whatever it is that you and I want. Whatever it is that you and I think or feel, because we know that God has grace for us, He's going to forgive us, so we have license to sin, license to do whatever it is that pleases us. We think that we can have license to sin because Jesus out of the cross is going to forgive us no matter what. And yes, we are forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We do not have to fear condemnation from God because Jesus is our advocate, right? If we come to Him directly in repentance, He will never cast us out. But just because that is true, doesn't mean that we should go on sinning because that would be living in a way that isn't very thankful for the huge thing that Jesus did in literally taking our death row sentence as his own. On the other side, you have, you have the train track of the, of the gospel, right? You have license. On the other side, 
the thing we've always talked about in church called legalism. This side is where you live your life trying to be like super, extremely, very religious. You're almost living in a, in a superstitious and hyper-vigilant way because secretly you fear you must be good or to try harder or be perfect in order for God to actually love you and save you. We often take good things and we twist them to be ultimate things. Make them what the Bible calls an idol and we forget that God is holding up the world and, and we're not. So it's easy for each of us to do this. And since we've been studying the book of 2 Peter uh, together in the New Testament, we're going to look at it. So, turn, so you should be in 2 Peter chapter 1. I didn't tell you what chapter, I'm sorry. 2 Peter chapter 1. Says, and starting in verse 5. 2 Peter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be, rich, they, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, so it's easy to see here how a Christian could fall off the legalism side of the train and think, well, I, I better get my act together. You know, I, I better hustle if I want God to, to grant me entrance into his eternal kingdom. I better, I better strive. I better self-improve. I mean, you can see all these things, you know, to, to continue to be better at. If I can live up to whatever the standards is that I'm setting for myself, well, then I must, I must not be a Christian. I must not be a really good Christian, and I might as well just throw the Bible Jesus and got out of my life completely because this is just too hard to do and to live a perfect life. This is, this is a big Bible interpretation lesson for you guys tonight. I don't want you guys to be like Thomas Jefferson. I don't know if you ever read much about his Bible. Anybody ever read, studied his Bible? Homeboy would literally, he, he got the Bible, he would cut out the pieces he liked and glued them into another book and discard the things he didn't like to make his own Bible. That was Thomas Jefferson. Great dude, right? Yeah. Don't be like that guy. Don't skip parts of the Bible that are hard. And, and, and you know, always consider other parts of the Bible that bring more clarity to a certain passage. If you don't have a study Bible, they're, they're great. I mean, if you guys are using the ones that we have over there, um, those are study Bibles. They have those little notes for you at the bottom. Give you guys some you know, things that maybe give you some context or culture, whatever it is, that can help you understand this passage even better. All right, so what do we do here? We, what, what verse did we start on? Verse 5. So we skipped verses 1 through the first, the first part of verse 5. You may not even notice that we started on verse 5 and not at the first of the chapter. So we're going to go back and see if it gets us back on the gospel train track, right? Um, Simeon Peter, a servant apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal, equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God 
and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things <clears throat> that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So it's after these verses that disciple Peter goes into his plea we already read about, about living a godly life, and that is a, a list of Christ-like characteristics that the, that the Holy Spirit is, is forming in us as we submit our lives to him. It's not that we form those characteristics in ourselves as we try to do better and work harder at being a Christian. To hell with the hustle for God to love you. I don't live God's way to get him to love me. God loves me, therefore I live God's way because I know he is trustworthy. Um, there's another big elephant in the room. I kind of want to talk about when it comes to hustle and what this world teaches us and things that I'm seeing more and more um, in teenagers more so now than I did when I started in ministry, and that is anxiety. Some of the most recent research surrounding the biggest pressure that 13 to 17-year-olds face, pulling up at the top of the list was to get good grades, um, look good, fit in socially, be good at sports, be involved in lots of extracurricular activities, AP classes, college courses, school teams, travel teams, clubs, leadership teams, NHS, those things mean a, a ton of responsibility. You know, um, they take up a ton of time to be involved in all these things. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of hustle to get things done. And again, with the train tracks, the Bible is clear we shouldn't be lazy. Tells us that we should work hard at whatever we're doing for the glory of God. Homework can be worship. Practice can be worship. When we're striving and hustling for earthly rewards that are temporary, we're going to be let down. So let me ask you this question: Where where is this pressure coming from? This pressure you have on yourself? Maybe it comes from your teachers, maybe from your parents, from your friends. But I would guess more than likely you're, the pressure you're facing and putting on yourself is literally coming from you. And often this striving for perfect grades or the lead in the school play or starting position or college scholarship is coming from a place of fear. You fear what will happen if you aren't perfect. Maybe because from a place that you have to be in control. There's a lot of family or friend dynamics or even things going on in your body that you can't control, but in some degree you can control your performance in these different areas. Or maybe because from a deep sense of trying to feel worthy. Like you don't like yourself. If you only achieve, then you will feel worth something. Or maybe it's, for you it's just a sense of power. You like being the top dog at all the different, and all the attention that that brings, and all the popularity that it kind of brings. But at what cost? So we're going to sift this idea of hustling to be the best and to fit in through what we read a little bit ago in 2 Peter. What did God speak through Peter in verse 2? Did it say, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you hustle to get straight A's and get 100 on your three AP exams? No, right? Peter, Peter said, grow in your knowledge of how to balance your three sports, two clubs, and all your responsibilities at school and at home without falling into a pit of depression, while also keeping up with your social life and social media accounts. No, that's not what it says. He said, may God give you more and more grace 
in peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. God wants you to experience grace and peace. How does he say you're going to get it? Hustling? No, to help with the hustle. God will give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your relationship with Him. It's not by doing more things for Him, but by being with Him. Finally, I want to address one more way that I think hustle is literally destroying the brain that God has given you. You know, we talk about it often that you are the first generation in which we can see the detriments of growing up in a world where the internet has always existed. People are researching you guys like crazy. Uh, because many and most of you have, have a smartphone, an iPad, a laptop, something with you at all times. So your brain is constantly experiencing stimuli through notifications, text, social media. Has anybody ever turned their phone off at school during the day? I love you guys. Like, whenever you do that, do you have a lot of notifications when you pop up your phone for the first time? Sometimes you have some stuff, sometimes you don't. But we just get, I think, overstimulated by, by notifications and, and texts and Snapchats and all these other things that we're getting. Now, your entire school and the entire world is in your back pocket at all hours of the day and night waiting for an answer. At any moment, you might need to wait in a line, stop at a stoplight, wait for a ride, try to fall asleep, or just fill a few minutes of empty space after homework is done. You probably turn to a screen. When I say you, I mean me. I, I did the same thing. You know, you have no downtime. Even if you do have downtime, say with friends or maybe at a coffee shop or in a study hall or after dinner or before bed or in the morning before school, you fill that downtime with something and it's usually a screen. And they're created to be addicting. Your brain literally is hit up with dopamine the way an addict does when you click your home button and you see you have any sort of notification if there are new posts on your feed. Algorithms are robbing you're developing brain of needed downtime. Because if you don't know this, you at your age, as a teenager, your brain is still in full-on development mode. You still have like a decade before your brain is done growing. Your hormones are raging. You need breaks where you can just completely rest. No screens, no homework, no planned activities. Just downtime, rest, Sabbath. Time to do something creative. Time to spend with friends laughing. Time with your family playing and talking. You know, I see fewer teenagers teaching themselves a new hobby than I did 10 years ago. Why? Because teenagers are choosing school and activities or their phone or Netflix when they have just some, any moment of free time. But the Bible gives us direct commands to rest. Jesus saw himself, himself saw the value of time in complete silence. Just encourage you guys to spend time in complete solitude, time where you can gain perspective on your life, relationships, and, and time with God without distraction. Not to mention that if you aren't up to date and actively advocating for every cause and care in the world that we're called to do as social justice warriors, it sees you as a failure if you're not participating in everything that there is. Again, it's a good thing to care about speaking out against racism or to seek change the way we care for the earth or to save rhinos or whatever it may be. Time Magazine says that you are the first generation that can escape your problems. But you think there's one more thing I have to, to advocate for and one more thing I have to do and to stand up for. Scientifically speaking, we were created for a certain number of relationships 
and a certain number of, of heavy burdens that we can carry at one time mentally. Now we have, a, we have, a, you know, I have a limit on what we are emotionally able to handle. We are told that 150 total relationships is about that magic number. But all these high expectations, hormones, brain development, pressures, and screen addictions, they're causing the human race to be anxious. Self-harm and eating disorders continue to be a trending problem amongst teenagers. And you guys, I get it. This is, this is a huge struggle for me, too. I'm, I'm not shaming you. Um, I'm preaching to myself when I say we need to unplug and rest. We need to let the Holy Spirit tell us in this moment that it is safe to rest. So we need to sift our schedules and ask God what needs to change. You may need to set up some boundaries or rules surrounding your devices. The number of nights a week or hours a day you can spend doing schoolwork or how many things a semester you can commit to. You probably need to include your parents in this Asking them to say yes less often to some of those things. So you can get your mind back on the gospel train track. You may need to see a professional Christian counselor who can help for a season. You may need to incorporate time and nature and exercise into your daily routine. You may need help from your parents to choose healthier foods that are going to support your mental state. A diet with less sugar and fast foods and more veggies and fruit and protein and whole grains. You need to quit a sport or drop an activity or sign up for less college prep type classes and let yourself be a kid for the next few years that you have left. Let's get on the gospel train and not be lazy, but to hell with the hustle. Again, Peter said it this, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. We can't let what is culturally expected and normal steal our grace and peace. We've sifted what is true, and now in the power of Jesus, by way of rest, let's take our lives back. Psalm 127 verse 2 says that sometimes the most holy thing that you can do is take a nap. Jesus took naps. Look at the life of Elijah. He was angry. Took a nap, woke up and ate, and he was just fine. Rest. Sabbath, guys, is important. Say no to some things. They can choose to rest and just to be with God. Let's pray. And we'll have the praise band come up. We're going to sing a couple songs before we go uh, to our, our small groups. Yeah, may we see the importance of rest and believe that um, and it's created for us and that... Um, God, we need it. We're, we're designed just to rest and just to be with you so that we can grow in our knowledge of you. God, I pray for these, uh, these students here. I pray as they, they listen to that, maybe there's something peaked in them or, or something in their heart that, that stuck out to them, like this is who I am, this is what I do. I need to, just to, to sit and rest for a little bit. God, may you just give them areas and ways where they can just to focus on you and just to rest and, and stop what they're doing. And may we sing these songs out of, uh, um, out of the cry of our hearts, out of the things that we heard and learned tonight through, through your word. And may these songs be just um, a response to those things we learned. And may our time in our small groups just be a time where we grow, get closer to each other, and just to um, just learn the importance of rest. Shame I pray.
Amen.